I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked down at the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, and joining me, as always, my co-host, contributor at Mavs.com. We've essentially done a podcast already. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? We really have. I mean, <laughs> gosh, this game, I'm all about 6 o'clock start times, by the way, for NBA games. Those are super fun because theoretically, you get home at a better time. Well, you do. And then we can theoretically start our podcast at an earlier time. But um, tonight was a good night to just have conversations. I had a lot of off-the-court, right, random conversations about NBA and life stuff and basketball. So um, Nick and I have to catch up on stuff that happens in locker rooms and fun stuff and players. Guys, I'm just going to – okay, one of the things, Dwayne Dedman is just a fun dude. So. Who knew? However, whatever opinion you had about Dwayne Dedman, um, probably none. <laughs> probably none. But he was just hilarious and literally one one of the most I've laughed in a locker room in a long time as a media person. Just yeah, he's just a hilarious dude. But he didn't even play. So yeah, DMP. Uh, <laughs> this that's the first player we're gonna mention <laughs> for uh, this podcast. But it's kind of weird because I haven't been on Twitter hardly at all for this game. Or after this game, so I don't know. I'm assuming that there is an uproar after a Mavs loss. So I'm waiting for Nick to fill me in, and we could talk about some of the major talking points that fans are talking about after this loss. Obviously, lots of talking points, lots of things to get into on this show. Obviously, we're going to break down the Mavericks' loss to the Sacramento Kings, their clutch loss, another clutch loss. We'll talk about that in a second. Mavericks lose 110 to 106 in this game, second night of a back-to-back. This is their, let's see, I wrote this down, fourth game in six nights, their fifth game in eight days. So just cranking out games recently. And uh, they're missing DeLon right in this game. And there's just a whole lot to get to. The Mavericks were down by 24 at one point in this game, ended up coming all the way back and lost just by uh, four. But they they had, the uh, they're down by two with about 30 seconds left after Porzingis hit a, a shot. So, and then Luca got a shot to tie it at the very end with 13 seconds left, and he gets got tapped fouled. on. He gets tapped on the arm. Carlisle said it was a clear foul that wasn't called after the game. So we'll talk about all that. We'll break all that down. There's so much in that. Um, so let's get into that right now. So Mavericks start this game off, and Sacramento just gets off to uh, a 19 to nine start. They're going on these runs. The only thing really keeping the Mavericks alive was Tim Hardaway Jr. hitting early threes. He had four threes in the first quarter by my count, and uh, he led the he led the way with 14 points in the first quarter. Nemanja Bielitsa and Buddy Heald, I mean, these guys. <laughs> Buddy Heald, we knew. He's a Maverick killer. But Nemanja Bielitsa came out of nowhere. He finished the game with 30 points. Pretty sure that's his career high. He had 12 points in the first quarter. I mean, the guy could not miss. Couldn't miss at all, you know. I, yeah, I was gonna make a joke about a preseason or a preseason before the game, and say that man, why don't they start Bognan instead of uh, Belitza? And yeah, and then obviously he goes out and he's just draining threes because uh, you know they started Holmes at the center spot, so then 
you know, they you have Dwight and KP in there for Dallas, but they just couldn't get out on him. And the dude was not missing. I think he, I'm pretty confident that he started the game nine for nine yeah. from the field. Yes. And that's including threes in that too. And it just felt like early on they were hitting everything. They were getting second chance points. And honestly, it looked like Dallas was just, they were just slow and sluggish and it looked like they were playing at back-to-back-to-back. That's what it felt like I was watching at the beginning of this game. And Rick Carlisle got asked, you know, after the game if the if they got tired or is, you know, is the, playing another back-to-back, you know, kind of close to the last back-to-back game, if that was a reason for the team looking the way it did early on. And he wouldn't admit that. You know, he's like, no, I don't think there's any excuse for how we played. So, which is what he's supposed to say as a coach. But, yeah, yeah I thought Dallas, man, that, I didn't think they started good at all. Yeah, a really rough start. And we kind of – we should have seen this coming. You know, fourth game in six days. That's a lot. That's a lot. And especially back-to-back. The first – First game of this back-to-back was a huge blowout, so not a lot of you know players didn't play that much. But in this game, the Mavericks did end up turning it around, though, and they end up you know they had a run in them that got them you know very close to a win in this game that they did not deserve pretty much at all. Um, no. So let's just we'll, we'll walk through the game. the uh, The Mavericks in the second quarter, uh, Luca goes out with with a minute left in the first quarter, and with a t- he gets a technical, you know. Oh. Every single time Luca was driving, they weren't calling any fouls. I think Luca finished with what did he finish with? He shot. Uh, I have it right in front of me. Four of five from the free throw line, so he shot five free throws, which is nowhere near his average. The first quarter, I don't think he shot any, and he was just really upset about it. There's a bunch of fouls. The refs basically in this game decided that they were going to let any kind of ticky tack foul in the lane. They're going to let it go. Anything that was just a slight slap or a slight touch, they were not going to call. There's some refs that call it really tight, and anytime you touch a guy, then you know that's you're going to the free throw line. But in this game, I felt like even on both sides, I felt like they were letting anything that was just a slight tap. That very last foul hmm. where Corey Joseph hit Luca in the arm that Carlisle said was a clear foul. I mean, that's that's a real soft foul if you're going to call that. I. I think if it what if it would have gone the other way and it was the you know like Luca hit somebody in the arm like that we'd be so upset if they called a foul on that. Um, well, that, but so that they weren't they were little... calling they weren't calling any of that is my point. Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll push back a little bit. I think that foul's just a tad bit different. I think when you make any contact as far as with the elbow and a shooting motion that that has to be called at all times because that just alters the whole shot. Uh, swipes across the arm or little bumps and stuff in the lane. I think that that's where, and it's just so confusing. I think for Lucas sometimes because I think sometimes he comes into games and he'll attempt 19 free throws, you know, or however much he had, 16 no. free throws, and everything that because he drives so much and he's so big and he he's become so crafty with how he brings the ball up to his head to shoot the basketball. Whether it's a layup or float or whatever it is, to where. Some referees call that foul all the time in the paint, but then you come into a game like this, and then the, the foul's not being called. So then it's it's in your head at this point. You're like, all right, well, why does this get called one game, and now tonight I feel like they're hacking me. And, and he doesn't change his game. I mean, his game is his game, and I don't think he changes it and tries to – you know, Harden, I feel like he can change his game knowing which, which refs are there and try and, you know, bait them into either fouls. It's just how smart Harden is. But I think Luca just does the same thing, and so that's where I think his frustration comes. Like, hey, why is this not a foul now when it was, you know, with a different crew? Yeah, and do you want to talk about his frustration now? Yeah, so he goes out with the tech, you know, in the in the first quarter, 
uh, with a minute left, so not super far off his normal rotation, and pretty much the same for you know a uh, the second night of a back to back anyway. But he leaves, and um, yeah, so he he's just been frustrated with the refs. He's been going mm-hmm. back and forth about this. Actually, uh, let's do this coming up. So we're gonna hear from Rick Carlisle about Luca's frustration. Uh, that the dynamic between Luca and the refs, and Luca also talked about this as well. So we'll talk about what he said. Uh, there's just so much to get into about this whole conversation with Luca, his relationship with the refs, and what it means for the Mavericks going forward. All right, Isaac. So let's get into this right now. So Luca, he has a relationship with the refs. <laughs> we've seen him. We've seen him. You know, whatever you want to call it. You know, I think Kurt calls it jabbering. You know, so. <laughs> Luca's jabbering with the refs a lot. He's talking a lot with the refs. He, you know, if you call it whining, complaining, whatever you want to call it, Luca has a lot of discourse with the refs. Uh, there are a lot of times too when he does foul and it's a real foul. He'll put his hand up. He'll make sure that the refs see him. I see this dude. I see him do this a lot. Where he's like, "Hey, hey, hey, that was me. That was my bad. No, that was a good call." Like, and he'll try to do it both ways. And so he tries to have this balance of it. I feel like, and. He does it that. starts at the beginning of the game too. You know, he goes yeah, over and beginning. shakes the ref's hands before you know tip off, and you know, kind of not really introduces himself. He's probably met a lot of them <laughs> by now, but you know, just hey, welcome, good luck tonight too. You know, kind of a, a polite thing. Rick Carlisle, you know, brought you know notice of that how he likes that. You know, yeah. in that post game uh, quote there, and but there is definitely something there that you know Nick and I we've talked about it off the pod. Uh, different times over the past couple of months uh, because you obviously don't want to go on, you know, here when we brag on Luca all the time. I don't want to say and bash Luca for uh, him whining and complaining, uh, but it's definitely an issue. It's definitely something that's been getting on my nerves for a while. Just it's frustrating seeing Luca complain as much as he does and to the extreme that he does to where it starts to affect your game. That's my biggest thing because sometimes there's a difference between when you complain and you, and you just look kind of goofy out there. And it's like, dang, all right. He, you know, he laughs sarcastic or something like that. That's one thing, but when throw your hands up in the air and stuff, yeah, like that. And you throw your hands up and stuff. And we've talked about this before. All the star players do it, do it for the most part. From LeBron to James Harden, whoever you want, like everyone complains. Even <laughs> yeah, everyone complains about foul calls. But it seem it does seem like recently, over the past month or so, or you want to say the season or whatever, especially over the past couple of games, that it's really started to really frustrate him and really started to get to his head. That you know the Mavericks are wanting him to kind of tone this down to where there's different times where he's complaining and it's affecting him defensively to where his guy, he's losing his guy sometimes, or his guy will beat him down the court, and it's just, it's boiling over. He could, he should have been called for so many technicals tonight, and <laughs> it's become a conversation among media. When we got into the post-game press conference tonight, and we're sitting there waiting for Rick Carlisle, that's all the media was talking about, was how much Luca complains and whines, and how much, and this is one of the things to think about. Uh, one of the media people in there, they threw out there, and they said, we're just scared that he's going to gain this reputation around the league with referees at this young age of 20 that he's going like he is you know just putting them on blast and kind of, and showing them out with that and just complaining so much that he's going to get this reputation so quick and that's you know that was this 
it is worthy, and that's why I was texting Nixon. I said, I think it is worth us talking about this on the podcast because it's become not just a, hey, people just whispering about it. Like, dang, man, it feels like he does complain a lot. Two, okay, now it's um, an ongoing conversation among media, and then Rick Carlisle's getting asked about it. He's getting texts, and then Luca's getting asked about it. And Do you have any of Luca's quotes pulled up from after the game? I have some pulled up if you don't. But – Luca was was asked about it after the game. This is in Tim McMahon. Uh, Tim McMahon asked Rick Carlisle after the game, which, which I'm glad he did because, quite honestly, I wasn't going to ask Rick about what he thought about Luca and the refs. <laughs> I have, yeah, I have Carlisle's quote. If we want to hear Carlisle's quote real quick, this is Carlisle uh, after the game talking about Luca, the dynamic with the referees. Uh, you can hear, you can it, hopefully you can hear Tim McMahon, but you hear Carlisle and Tim McMahon go back and forth about this. So let's hear from Rick Carlisle about Luca and the dynamic with the refs. Rick, what do you think of the dynamic between Luca and the referees? As far as what? I, lo- I love the way he shakes hands with them before the games. He's very, they're very, they're very, they're very, they're very cordial thing going. Yeah, it kind of gets down pretty quickly after that. I mean, he's been teed up a couple times here recently. He's, you know, complaining and whining a lot. I think he's got a case for a lot of it, um, but. You know, I'm not going to get into a big analysis of it. I don't. I don't coach my team through the media. You know, it's just not the way I do things. And uh, look, he's he's a guy that gets hit a lot. People take a lot of liberties on him. Um, I was here for 11 years uh, with with Dirk Nowitzki, who um, people constantly took shots at. We're trying to get physical with. We're trying to distract him. Everything else. Everybody in the league's trying to do it with Doncic too, and um, he's tough. Um, he can handle all of it, but you know when he when, when he comes over to the bench and he's got scratches and blood and blood you know marks on his arms and and, and, and hands, um, you know I know there's something there. Did he have a case for a foul on that last shot? Did I didn't see the replay. I'm not going to get into that. Did you like the look? Yeah, if you ball in his hands. Paint attack, you bet I liked it. So there you hear from Carlisle. Um, you know, when he comes back to the bench, that, that that sentence, when he comes back to the bench with blood, you know, gushing from him and, and scratches and things like that. I mean, that's where, you know, you want to, you know, you, you have a case. <laughs> but it seems like on every play, and do you think there's a lot of, and you've gone to most of the home games this year, do you think there's a lot of stuff we can't see on the broadcast? Luca complaining to the refs, you know, he's off screen. A lot of times we mentioned before that, he is uh, he's late to come back on defense and we don't see that. We see where the ball is on the broadcast. But Luca yeah. is back, you know, somewhere else and it seems like it takes him a while to get back into play and is sometimes is he, you know, does he have more extracurricular stuff going on with the refs that we can't even see on the broadcast? Yeah, there there is. I'm glad you brought that up and cuz a lot of it's during timeouts sometimes where you see, yeah. you know, a lot of times on the broadcast, you know, when timeouts called it says bam, it's commercial break, but there's different times where Luca's, you know, at a mid court or he's sitting there talking to a ref and, you know, Mosley comes out and they're just, you know, you obviously don't know what to talk about and stuff. But, you know, after he got the tech and stuff tonight, there was a moment, it was during a timeout that the referees are at the scores table and they're all like huddled up and Luca's kind of near the scores table a little bit, but he's just sitting there like just staring at him. And Courtney Lee's over there in between them saying, hey, like you can tell he's just, he's pointing at Luca, talking to him. They're trying to just get him back over. It's, it's become a talking point to, you know, Tim McMahon wrote about on ESPN tonight to where, 
Luca and just the team, they want him to focus on the team and winning basketball instead of getting wrapped up into this whole, you know, referee relationship and stuff. And I thought some of Luca's quotes tonight, I'll read some of them from Tim McMahon's ESPN piece. It says, you know, he asked about his animated interactions with the officials. And Luca says, yeah, for sure. He said, but my thing is I'm passionate for the game. He tells ESPN, he is, I want to win. And just, so, I, he said, and I just sometimes get out of control because I want to win the whole time. I'm competitive. You can ask my family, even if it's not basketball, if it's anything, I'm so competitive, but yeah, I've got, I've got to work on that for sure. And then I, I like this quote from Luca too. continuing on that. He goes, I know how to approach officials, but like I say, I'm passionate. I know a lot of times I'm wrong, which is cool for him to admit that uh, persons are wrong sometimes. And I've just got to learn to calm myself down and go to the next play. He knows that. I know for a fact that the Mavericks are wanting him to not focus on that. And it's it, to see a 20 year old say that, uh, is really, really impressive. Now, if he can back that up with actions, that's the next thing. And uh, listen, guys, it, this isn't that big of a deal. And, and, you know, the whole big picture, if this is the worst thing about 20 year old Luka Doncic, <laughs> we're, we're fine right now. Okay. Uh, but it is something that uh, you, we got to see how he learns from it and how he grows from it because you don't want him gaining this reputation around the league. And I love that quote that I'm competitive at anything, no matter what, you can ask my family. You know, you can even see it in that stupid uh, into the cup or straight to the cup video that they did where they're like, who's the best singer on the team? And Luca goes, oh, me. You know, <laughs> like stupid thing, but like he wants to be the best at everything. And that's, I mean, that's Jordan, that's Tom Brady, that's that kind of stuff. That's that kind of level, that, that kind of competitive edge. And that's what keeps guys, you know, interested in the game for a long time. So you love to hear that. You know, but the going at the going at the refs, and I mean, you can get into a. You, you talk about the reputation; those lob even more so than maybe these Rockets, the Lob City Clippers. That team was awful when it came to the refs, and they got a reputation. And yeah. I, I don't know if they got calls that they wanted in the playoffs. You know, late in the playoffs that helped them get to the next games uh, and, and others in other uh, series. But man, uh, it's just it's an interesting dynamic. Luca going going after the refs. Um, it, and trying to be, find that balance of how much should I plead my case? Because there is, you know, according to all the stars, it seems like there is, you know, a competitive advantage you can have to having a relationship with the refs and, go, and going yeah. at them like that and challenging them and saying, hey, why didn't you call this? Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, figuring also, I think it's figuring out how different referee crews call games. And who knows? Maybe there's some kind That's of the- trying to figure that out too. Yeah, that's the trick, and him trying to figure that out—that's uh, super hard to do. And it, but it, it's also a thing for Luca that most people, you know, his age—you don't see people this good this quick. And uh, second year in the league, being in an MVP conversation, he might think he's on that level, and he is on that level with around the league with people and officials. When really guys like LeBron and Kawhi and even James Harden, like they've put in their time. You know, there has yeah. been, they've put in their time with relationships and all that. And all of a sudden, even though he's there on a performance level, he might not be there on a relationship level with, you know, around the league with officials and stuff like that. So that's where gaining that reputation uh, in this manner, this early in your career, uh, it could hurt you down the line. Something I just sent you a picture of that I want to bring up too. Of, 
this the stat thing right now with Luca, the twenty five and five thing. I just want everyone to know that this is a joke right now with some media people. I'd say a lot of media people of this has become. There was a moment tonight, and for me, this was embarrassing. And I'm I'm just going to call it out on it. That it's in the fourth quarter. Dallas is down by ten points. Okay, or eleven points. Is that what the picture I sent you? It's ninety five one oh six. Fourth quarter, five minutes and 34 seconds to go, okay? Dallas is in the middle of trying to come back and, you know, this crazy heroic comeback in this fourth quarter, okay? They have, they they announce it in the middle of the game as it's like Dirk passing Wilt Chamberlain on the scoring list. For the first time, Luka Doncic, 19 consecutive games with at least 20 points, but and you know, Luca's like Luca literally looked up at the at the jumbotron, like, what is this that's going on? And you know, they're down by eleven, and that's the we're like we, Nick and I have been making fun of the stat because it's just like kind of a not really a cherry pick stat, but I mean, it's cool. Like, I'm happy. What does it mean? Something. What does it yeah, mean? You're, it doesn't like, mean you're passing anything. Jordan on this, but it's just been a running joke with media and stuff at games too. It's like, all right, we're just like pulling a stat and just making it really fun and cool and stuff. But saying even it, Luca saying it like once, it, you know, is fine. Like, oh, that's an interesting. Like, oh, he's had a really good stretch of games. Like, hey, that's fine. But I mean, the Mavs PR and you said in the arena, like. They're pushing this stat so much, and I just I don't know what it means. Like Westbrook averaged 30, 10, and 10 for a whole season. He didn't do this. Like he didn't do this stretch. So what does it mean? Like, I don't yeah, know. and and we and I I take a shot at it mainly because Luca took a shot at it too. And after yeah. the game, he was asked about it, and he even said he's like, Hey man, I feel like stat they're just stats everywhere at this point. He's like, it's like I he forgot said this the exact before. I forgot what the exact word I'm paraphrasing at this point, but he's just like, there's so many stats right now. It, like, we're just caring about winning. Like, it's just not a, it, it's not a huge thing to him about this either. So, uh, it's cool. I'm down for anything to show how Luca is great, but it's the 25-5 things a, a little hardcore right now. And yeah, for them to announce that mid game like he passed Magic Johnson on the all time assist list or something, <laughs> yeah. it, it was different. Especially when they're down eleven in the fourth quarter, uh, you know that you know Luca doesn't care about that at that point either. So, anyway, you want to talk about distracting your player? Like we just <laughs> yeah. had a whole conversation about is his conversation with the refs distracting? Like announcing things like this and saying the name Michael Jordan probably perked his ears up. This is the quote. Uh, Callie Kaplan posted it. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's a lot of stats going on. I think it's a bit too much stats. You can't compare nobody to Michael Jordan. He's one of a kind. Those are just stats. I love that, too. I mean, hey, we yeah. like to point out stats because I think some of them are cool. And, you know, this kind of thing, if you, you know, the streak or whatever. But in specific games, if you're like, he's the only, he's one of the only players with an 18 and 5 game, like 18 rebounds, 5, you know, 5 made threes. Like, I think that means something to me because he's a unique player. Uh, and he's the only like wing guard to do it, but yeah. So yeah. Uh, okay, let's. Can we focus on a few good things, even though they lost? Let's let's do some of the good things because I think there was good things, and then I, I do also want to get into the rest of this game about you know where the Mavericks went wrong, some things that they tried to do. You know, second okay, quarter yeah. bringing in JJ Barea. So coming up, let's get into the rest of this game. Have to talk about Porzingis too. So, saw some flashes from him in this game that were positive. So let's talk about that coming up next. All right, Isaac, let's get into the rest of this game. Actually, let's just get into Porzingis. 30, over 37 minutes in a second game of a back-to-back. We have to talk about this so much because what did we say all summer? 
He's going to play 65 games. He's going to play – how many back-to-backs do they have? They have 13 back-to-backs, so if we subtract that, he's going to play 69 games, LOL. Like, you know, like that's what we were saying all summer. He's played in – what, he missed one back-to-back? Or he's played in all yeah. of them, I feel like. And he played 37 minutes in the second of a back-to-back. That's massive, even though he didn't play that much. I think he played less than 20 minutes yesterday. But 37 minutes in the second of a back-to-back is massive. Yeah, I mean, it feels it feels like just from a fan media perspective that man, it feels like all the restrictions are off at this point, right? I mean, this is the moment where uh, second night of back to back over thirty seven minutes. I mean, this is uh, crazy. He was asked, uh, Rick Carlisle was asked before the game in the pregame presser of, you know, hey, is Porzingis playing tonight? He's like, yeah, he is. So, is there any restriction at this point, or how? What you know, basically? What's it look like now in the season? Now that he's playing these back to backs. What's the plan and Rick being Rick, you know, obviously is like, yeah, I don't, I'm not really going to answer that at this moment, but um, that's just what it looks like now. And I think that's the most encouraging sign is it looks like everything's off at this point. It seems like it's changed from restriction to caution, right? I think there's a difference yeah. between those things where you have a restriction. We're like, okay, we're not going to play this guy in second out of back to back. This is the Dirk, you know, 40 year old Dirk. Like, they're not going to play him in those games, but the caution is like, 39-year-old Dirk. Okay, we're just going to play him limited minutes in some of these games. We're going to put him maybe to a minutes restriction sometimes, but you know he's out there, and when he can play, he can play, and that's what they're doing with Porzingis, and I think that's great. His game, though, I want to focus on his game, too. He had he had four specific moments that I felt like were very positive. He didn't he didn't score a lot. I Still, if you are you know a max player like Porzingis, I need you to score more than six buckets, right? <laughs> just yeah. if you're playing 37 minutes, I need you to take more than 12 shots and hit six buckets. But four of his buckets, I felt like were massive. In the second quarter, he had that drive from the three point line uh, that I tweeted out in all caps that a couple of Knicks fans found, and they're like, "Oh, they're celebrating this the same way we celebrate Frank Nilakina driving in the paint." Like, first of all, Frank Nilakina is a guard. Okay. Second one was in the third quarter. He had a pick and roll with Luca. He stopped and he popped and he pulled up for a jumper in the paint. I thought that was great. That was off of uh, a Dwight Powell entry pass. I thought that that was a great move too. In the fourth quarter, he had that post up dunk where he he dove into the paint and then JJ Barea was able to hit him, you know, throw around and and Porzingis, you know, back down like a traditional big man like Shaq wants him to do. He did the what's the what what is it called when you throw the ball down with two hands? Jump, it's a jump stop, or I can't remember the, the name of it, basketball moves. Anyway, he did the post up. He turned around, and he had a huge dunk. And then with 30 seconds left, he has the drive, yeah. turnaround, pull-up baseline jumper that was just as clutch as possible. And I think all of us were saying, oh, no, no, That's a no, oh, no, no, okay. yes <laughs> play, but it shouldn't be. That's what that's the Porzingis yeah, yeah. that mm-hmm. you know he was when he was an all-star in 2018. Like That's the Porzingis that it was, and, it, and I – put out a lot of these stats earlier in the week saying that, you know, Porzingis wasn't terrible at these things. It's not like this is who he is. This is not who he was. He he could shoot in the paint. He could, you know, he could drive. He could do all these things, but he just hasn't been able to since his injury and since moving, to, you know, since moving to Dallas. But these kind of plays showed you this is what Porzingis can do hopefully when he gets fully back. And maybe with the 37 minutes we're seeing him you know, he's, he's coming back more, and he's hitting shots like this, and I just thought that all of those were positive, and I wanted to talk about them. Yeah, that clutch shot, man, a huge bucket, and I was happy for him because, yeah, it's what you said. These are shots he should make. I was talking to a media guy uh, that I was set with tonight during the game, and we were just talking about, 
you know, kind of going back to the the secondary playmaker of when Luca's off the floor, or even when he's on the floor, being able to have somebody else that can go create a play and make a play happen and score the basketball. And right now, when Luca's off the floor and KP's on there, KP just can't create it on his own. But it's not like he should. He like he should be able to. Like these post moves or these spin moves in the paint, and he's elevating. He's seven foot three guys jumping up in the air. These are open, theoretically open shots that should just be going in. It's not like you know when he's dribbling, he's forcing. It's kind of like a Wes Matthews type of thing of <laughs> when you know, he's dribbling. You're like oh no no okay not right now. But it's the it's most of his shots from set shots on threes and some of these moves in the post, like these theoretically should be going in for him. They're just not right now. Power dribble. It's the, the, the power. Move dribble. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking in my head. Yeah. He also played 10 minutes in the fourth quarter, which I thought was massive. That's more than what Luca played. I thought that was, was massive for him. Was that why they lost? <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, we didn't mention that Luca in that final play where he got tapped by Corey Joseph on the elbow. He drove. I just, that's our brand. Why did we not call that out at the beginning of the show? He drove. Didn't take a step back. He drove, Isaac. Because you win when you drive <laughs> at the end of the game. The take the keys to victory, put them in the ignition of the offense, and just go drive, drive to that win. Uh, I do. I know it's super random. I do want to say Luca and uh, Bogdan had a great warm embrace on Aww. the court before the game, uh, chatted it up, good hug. It's like, oh, is this future uh, – Future Maverick team. That would be a, that's a that, a lot of people have been clamoring for him, but he plays a lot like Luca, and I don't know if you want a Luca and a Luca light on the same team. No, I'd, I'd I'd take his shooting with Luca all day long. Fair. I would like it. I would I would like that. Also, Vladi sat courtside and watched Luca warm up forever. <laughs> and I just want to say, Mark Stein spent a lot of time talking to Vladi and Peja, and I'm expecting courtside. And I just I'm expecting a massive, awesome piece by Mark Stein. A regret profile? Is that? What you're yes, expecting? that's what I'm hoping. That's what I hope. Once I saw them sitting together forever and talking, it looked like he was you know, interviewing him and stuff. I was like, man, I can't wait to read this for Mark Stein because Stein's the best and. Vladi is uh, Vladi. Okay, so we talked about Porzingis. Um, the Mavericks never led in this game, by the way. Dang. Isn't that crazy? They came all the way back, all this, and if you looked, like it was a wire-to-wire win for the, the Kings. Shout out to Tim Hardaway Jr., though. How have we not? We're almost done with the podcast. We haven't even talked about Tim Hardaway Jr., career high, nine threes, nine of 12 from three. Just seemed like every shot he put up went in. Uh, 29 points for him. I mean, I, huge. He did not guard Buddy Heald that well, but <laughs> he didn't. But it was but, still massive shooting. I mean, without his shooting, they don't have a chance at the end. Of the I'll game. take up for him with this: they were running Buddy Heald off every single screen imaginable. So it's not like that. Tim Hardaway Jr. was guarding Buddy Heald on all of these shots that he took. Buddy Heald also twenty six points. So Tim Hardaway Jr. outscored him. So hey, you'll take we'll take that too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Tim played an incredible game. J.J. Perea, 18 big minutes off the bench for the Mavericks. He was a plus 14, highest plus minus for the Mavericks tonight. They needed him. And, man, there's a lot of more nerdy basketball stuff we could get into with this. But they went zone. Holy crap, they did. They zoned the crap out. (laughs) Carl, I was trying everything. He was, and it worked. He was throwing him off. The guy was sitting next to him in the press box. He said, man, look, the Kings just don't know what to do right now because <laughs> Dallas basically looked at it and said, hey, you're going to get an open look, except we're going to pick who gets the open look for the most part in the second half, especially the fourth quarter. And, man, Trevor Reza's he's cooked. He's done. Sorry. <laughs> but, but, no, the, like, yeah. the zone threw him he's off. I man. thought that was uh, a good move. Th- 
the Mavericks were down 20 at halftime, and the Kings were 22 of 30 from two-point range in the first half. Wow. So that's why that's why you saw them go to a zone. But in the second quarter, I want to bring this up, and I want to talk about this. They subbed in Courtney Lee and J.J. Barea. Talk about we yeah. put we both the exact same time put up the J.J. Barea beacon. We put up the light. <laughs> we put up the light that one of our listeners sent. Shout out to whoever did that. Jimmy Collins, let's go, Jimmy. Shout out to Jimmy. Shout out to Jimmy. I forgot the name. Uh, so we 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 sent out the beacon. Uh, they checked in and. I just thought that it was it showed that Rick Carlisle like wants to win all these games. We're seeing this is stuff that he wouldn't do the last couple of years, right? He wouldn't try to change those things, wouldn't go zone, like wouldn't do things like this to try and get every little advantage. But putting Courtney Lee and JJ Barea in when the Mavericks just looked like they had no life, I thought was fascinating. Yeah, I mean, two vets that know exactly what to do. They bring uh, brought life to the team and gave them a little jolt there. And you know, JJ Barrett. It's crazy when you look at what Brea brings. He brings that other playmaker. And when you see it in the fourth quarter, I, I leaned over to the guy next to me. I said, watch him leave JJ in and not bring Dwight Powell back in. And that's exactly what they did. And they left they left Dwight Powell the game. They left JJ in. And they was running Luka off the ball. I, I joked. I said, how many possessions have we seen that happen? <laughs> Which Luka stands in the corner and doesn't even touch the ball. And JJ's running a pick and roll at the top of the key or whatever it is. And it, it's you get a small glimpse of what would this team look like if they had another permanent playmaker to where Luca can play off the ball more, and we were all talking about, I was pulling up, you know, off the ball screen and screen stuff for Luca, how much he's played off the ball this season and stuff. But now it's JJ just brought him a different look in that lineup, and that combination combined with the zone defense allowed Dallas to claw back into that game. And you look, JJ was guarding Harrison Barnes in these possessions, and. <laughs> Dallas was daring Harrison Barnes to take a ISO. Oh, it felt like 2011 all over again, didn't it? <laughs> I just want to say I haven't got to talk about him yet, but I, I, I you know, I love Harrison Barnes. I've, I've hyped him on this podcast, talked about him before. He's been on this podcast before. I got a chance to um, talk with him, meet up with him before the game, and talk about life and family stuff and a lot of stuff off the record. Uh, and then I spent spent the time with him after the game, post or postseason, um, <laughs> post game, and uh, just talking about Mavericks and Luca and all that stuff. I think you should see you should see those quotes over the next few days and stuff. But I, I just. It, his talking with some of their PR staff for the Kings, they're just talking about what a leader he is in the locker room and how much everybody listens to him. And exactly. they asked, they said, man, does, does the Mavericks locker room miss him? And I'm like, yeah, heck yeah, they do. Like every locker room needs a Harrison Barnes. And I just can't praise enough just what this guy meant uh, when he was here in Dallas, what he did off the court and what he did for the team. And just, uh, I mean, yeah, one of the things I asked him, I said, when you think back to Dallas, what do you think about the most? And he's like, my teammates and how close I were with those guys and still am and stuff. And he's just, yeah, great guy. Love having Harrison back in town. He said Whataburger first, right? When you asked, what did he miss about Dallas the most? (laughs) (laughs) A guy in that that good of shape probably doesn't eat Whataburger. That is very true. So many other, okay, I still want to get to so many other things in this game, but the, we talked all about Luca and the refs. The Mavs shot one free throw in the fourth quarter. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, two yeah. in the third quarter, so they only t- took three free throws the entire second half. That was wild to me. Uh, yeah, that was a foul on Corey Joseph, by the way. Just we we got it just clear there on that. Like that was a clear foul. He did hit Luca's elbow. So it, yeah, well, textbook textbook by the rules foul. I think yeah, I'll. It'll stand. come out in the last two minute report. It will. 
Yeah. It will come out over the next day or so oh, that true. Hey, yeah, the referees tomorrow. missed this call. That that will happen. So, but I think th- th- what I said earlier still stands. If that would have been called to the Mavericks, we'd all be super upset about it. <laughs> if it went the other way. Yeah. Um, was th- there anything else Mavs Twitter was throwing a fit about during this game or after the game? Man, not a lot. I had people go back and forth. Oh, uh, Delon Wright did not play in this game. The Mavericks bench. A lot of people were talking about. Oh, the Mavericks bench didn't show up in this game. The Mavericks need their bench to show up. Uh, I tracked it because I, I try to do this every single game. The Mavericks, when their bench was out, and basically I only count the benches when Luka's not playing, um, the Mavericks bench in the first, at the end of the first quarter through the second quarter, they went uh, 11 and 19 against the Kings. So they that was a minus eight, which is not great, you know, but not terrible. It's not like they were getting completely blown out. And then in the fourth quarter, there was five minutes they played without Luka and uh, they were 12 and 12. So they're exactly even. So they weren't coming back, but they also weren't losing their lead either. But the Mavericks did really miss DeLon Wright in this game. They really missed that secondary guy that can defend guards. He would have been awesome to throw out there against Buddy Heald. Yeah, especially yeah, in a game like this where you go small a lot. I mean, Boban obviously didn't play in this, but yeah. uh, even Dwight Powell. I mean, he <laughs> so where you go small a lot, but they didn't play Boban. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Obviously, they didn't play Boban, but like they, I mean, even late, they chose to go JJ Bray over Dwight Powell. And this is just, you know, a team like Sacramento where you could use Dillon Wright, especially guarding a guy like Buddy Hield. Yeah. And uh, they definitely missed him tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Mavericks' fourth quarter run, they went on a 16 2 run to basically bring themselves back to the brink of, of potentially winning this game or tying it and going to overtime. They did this uh, with a, in six minutes with Luca, JJ, Dorian, Tim Hardaway Jr., and Porzingis. They played Porzingis at the five, and I wonder if they they wish they would have gone with KP at the five earlier in this game. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I still think yeah, this is um, some form of your closing lineup that KP is going to be playing the five and playing the stretch five role, but. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that because them going zone, I think it honestly did throw Sacramento off, and I don't think they ever fully adjusted to that. And I think it contributed them, yeah, coming back you know, from their deficit. Yeah, I just thought that, that was interesting that that's when they went completely with Porzingis with that six minute run. They went Porzingis at the five, didn't bring Maxi in, didn't bring Dwight in, and he was just completely playing at the five. And that's when they went on their run. Uh, which I thought was positive because that's you want your best lineup to be with Porzingis at the five, and it worked. Um, but you know, you wonder if they wish they would have gone to that a little bit sooner. So, all right, I'm I'm done. Those are all the random thoughts that I had on this game. Anything else you have we want to bring up? Uh, nothing much. I mean, just that this you know this is obviously the, what the fourth game in the last six nights or six days, and um, it's just I, I think it's one of the schedule things that you look at and say, all right, like this was you know as much as you want to say if you're a, when I'm bringing this stuff up to my dad my dad's like all oh, the professional athletes they shouldn't get tired <laughs> and if you're in that camp then okay bypass this but uh, I think you did see the players get a little tired tonight and now they get a little bit of break and they get a couple of days to travel to uh, Mexico and go down to Mexico City yeah. uh, for a game down there uh, in the middle of this week I think it's Thursday so uh, yeah, I, they'll get a day off tomorrow. I know they're getting a day off uh, today on Monday. That's what I meant by tomorrow. And uh, they'll get back out and they'll travel to Mexico and try to get back on track then. And, yeah, I think it'll be a good trip for them. Absolutely. We'll also bring up the clutch losses. Uh, the Mavericks right now are 6-6 six and six in clutch games, which means that they only have one loss that's not a clutch loss, meaning that they were within five points 
within five minutes of the, of the game or less, which is crazy to me that they have they've been close. And they, they've had winnable games in pretty much all their games except for the Clippers game. Uh, and it's crazy to think about like that Lakers thing with Danny Green and Seth Curry getting oh, held yeah. by Dwight. You're thinking about the Portland, Portland thing game. and that Dorian and challenge, which was just dumb. You think about this game with Corey the Corey Joseph, Joseph yeah. foul. I mean, he very well could have hit two free throws, sent it to overtime and stuff. And I'm not making excuses by anything, but it, there are a lot of these clutch losses that come down to these one plays. And uh, once again, it's a testament how good this Mavericks team is. Absolutely. So there you go. That's all we're going to say about this. Guys, we'll be back tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening to Locked on Mavs. Peace out. Boom. Boom.